the mass, I watched the swirl of smoke from candles burning. While Mary looked up yearning, I got confirmed and I confessed. I really felt that I was blessed. Plus, I love my uniform. So did the boy who lived next door. But something changed when I became of age. And all those things I thought were true, someday I'd break the big time. And welcome to Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Doubter Five, and we have Rib today as guest co-host. Hello. Uh, this is WOZO 103.5, 103.9, excuse me, LPFM, live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the Free Thought Radio Hour is an atheism call-in radio show. Uh, if you want to write the number down, it's 865-333-5937. That's three 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 five nine three seven in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, we'll be talking about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. Get this mic right. Conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, gods, holy books, and superstitions. And despite what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs, and you'll be hearing them right here in this program and generally on the station. And the song that we introed with was Letting Go of God, which is a theme song for um, Pat from Saturday Night uh, Saturday Live, um, Julia Sweeney. Uh, I knew her name would come to me. She's doing a one-woman one show about how she left God or God left her, whichever way you want to take it. Uh, we'll also be talking about atheist and rationalist groups that are here in Knoxville and how you can connect with them. Also, did you know there's an atheist call-in television show also in Knoxville, Tennessee? Broadcasting here and has been broadcasting for over five years. That's right. And we'll talk to, about that too and how you can watch it. Um, but first, the topic of the show will be news, at least for the first part of it. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, I saw, I read a, an article online this weekend about what is the most godless city on earth? And what would you think that would be? Immediately it came to mind that it might be, um, oh, what is it, Seattle up there in the northwest, the godless northwest, uh, Washington, North, and Oregon, uh, about 25% of the population are non-believers. Well, maybe it was just like Scandinavia or something. Oh, yeah, but you know, once we get over into the country realm, there's right. quite a few. Yeah. Let me uh, tell you what it says here. It says, whether you fervently believe in a deity or flat out reject any religious teachings, uh, chances are you would rather be sur- surrounded by like-minded people. Outside the extreme religious control exercised by ISIS, where the state mandated atheism in countries like North Korea, more, most places are somewhere in between on the religious scale. And if you wanted to know what is the most godless place to live, where would you go? Uh, it says, this place is most likely a city, at least according to how some scientists have described atheists. Those with no religious affiliation have been found to be younger, mostly male, with higher levels of education and income, and more liberal, uh, and also more alienated from a wider society, said Benjamin <laughs> Bidhalami. <laughs> A professor of psychology at the University of Haifa about atheists and psychological profile. To bio, uh, biopsychologist and author Nigel Barber, these people are more likely to be in a major population center and not a rural area because cities tend to be more prosperous and as such their inhabitants will feel less need for religion. In fact, he thinks that by 2038 most countries will have less than 50% of their population thinking that religion is important to them, uh, crossing what he calls the atheist threshold. Um, have you thought of any places that you might uh, consider well, godless? Well, again, I don't know if you mean the, uh, the cities, the, the, uh, na- the name of the cities easily. Uh, but definitely in other countries, uh, but at least in the United States, um, 
uh, Washington would be most exclusive there. As the well state as of the city. The <laughs> state. Uh, also in California, you might find places like, I wouldn't say Pasadena. Uh, honestly, I don't know many of the cities outside that way, but California, mm-hmm. uh, some places up in maybe Pennsylvania, maybe Massachusetts, some other places. Yeah, I've always thought of California as, as rife with all kinds of religions, you know, hundreds of religions on every every block. But yes, I would think that atheism would also be a major force there. Back to the article. It said in a Win Gallup survey from last year, well, 2015, China was declared the world's least religious country with twice the amount of convinced atheists at 61% than any other country. Following it was Japan at 31% and the Czech Republic at 30%. In general, Western Europe was the least religious area, according to the survey, with 51% of the population either not religious or decidedly atheist. Scandinavia in particular leads, uh, often leads the way in such polls as Sweden, Denmark, and Norway have large populations of non-believers. Uh, but what about specific cities? It says Berlin has been called the atheist capital of Europe since 60% of Berliners do not associate with any religion. Makes sense. Yeah. Of course, we live in the Bible Belt, so that's not that's not right. the case here. Yeah, yeah. The church just about every uh, down the block, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But we are getting uh, a, quite a fair share of atheists coming to our meetups every Tuesday. Might as well plug that. Uh, the Atheist Society of Knoxville meets at Barley's Tap Room and Pizzeria in the Old City every Tuesday around five thirty and go to about eight o'clock. And we usually get anywhere from twenty to thirty atheists down there. Uh, even though ASK itself has um, about 600 members, uh, dues paying about 100 and, and non-dues paying, it's an option, and it's optional, uh, another 500. So quite a few atheists uh, in the rolls here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, another thing I saw in the news this week was uh, there was an atheist-themed billboard in Caddo Parish in Louisiana, and the woman pictured there <laughs> came to the news organization and said, I'm not an atheist, but they've got me up on a billboard as an atheist. Well, the thing was that, uh, let me read a little bit about, about this. It was uh, the American atheist put the billboard up with, uh, said, Merry Christmas. Why don't you make it a great Christmas and skip church? Basically what it said. Hold on. I'm waiting for the page to load. Candy Burns said she signed a waiver uh, when she was photographed that the photographer could use the, f- the photograph any way she w- they wanted to, and it ended up as a bunch of stock photos on the web, on the Internet. And when American atheists were looking for an image that they wanted to put up on a board saying, Atheist Christmas, the more the merrier, uh, this lady was featured on the board. And she came forward and said, But I'm a Christian. Well, when you sign a waiver uh, saying your photograph can be used in any particular way, then don't be surprised when it's used in a way that you don't want it to be. But she says, that would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's you, Candy. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was no big deal. I signed the waiver, so it's no big deal. I loved it. But it's this right there, uh-uh, no. <laughs> so she didn't like being dis, uh, displayed as an atheist for everybody to see, of course. It's not really the case. It reminds me of the recent case of, you know, it's it's on and past, and I don't want to stir up drama, but it was uh, you're not agreeing to sign marriage certificates, and even mm-hmm. though it's in the description, however, there, it kind of reminds me of that recent case. It was, uh, I forget the name now. Are you talking about the, the case up in Kentucky? Right, in the the, the courthouse, refusing uh to sign marriage certificates, even though it was not her ability to deny it, but she was doing it anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, The representative from uh, American Atheist said they just picked the picture that fit what they were trying to portray, and the problem was that they picked a Christian, of course. It doesn't have information about the person in the picture when you're trying to pick it like that, which is kind of strange. But I'm sure this is not the last time something like this will happen. Right. Um, 
there's an atheist professor who has uh, been waffling on his atheism, and that's been in the news. He's been uh, supporting the idea of intelligent design, which, you know, the Christians are really all over saying, well, so here you have a college professor who's saying that intelligent design is, has a good case. But um, if you read the title correctly, Dr. Bradley Monton is a former philosophy professor who has made a name for himself by ad- advocating the merits of intelligent design, despite being an atheist himself. In 2009, he published a book, Seeking God in Science, An Atheist Defends Intelligent Design. The title alone must make evangelicals drool all over themselves. The vindication ID believers must feel from having such an atheist professor seemingly in their corner has motivated Christian bloggers, reporters, and podcasters to pass this guy around for interviews ad nauseum. Okay, they'd sell really, really well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But if you recall, my first experience with Live Tree Cafe was two weeks ago. This is the author of the article speaking. When I attended a session called Giving Up God, The Rise of Atheism, it was much more of a positive experience than I had anticipated, and I recommended going on up to a live tree session if you're interested in improving relationship between atheists and theists. This is a great place to start, especially when the topic of the week includes reference to atheists. The last thing any of us wants is to be represented by a straw man erected by Christians. We've all been there. So, yeah, this guy is not a, a biologist or a a geologist or a scientist or a physicist or a scientist of any kind. Uh, he's a philosopher. And, of course, as, as philosophers don't deal in hard evidence. They deal in conjecture and, and uh, mind, mind structured, mind uh, games, if you want to put it that way. But you can definitely have a, professor, a professorship in, in uh, philosophy and entertain a whole lot of strange ideas. Yeah, there was actually an article uh, some years ago, and I want to say it might have been possibly from a uh, YouTuber at the time, but it was uh, he was making the point when I was reading, he was making the point that if you describe something and articulate and make this big argument for uh, basically continental philosophy and the way you word it and uh, you make good arguments in the sense that it sounds impressive, but they go back and forth on each other, you can make a good case in that field. It has, but at the end, he came back to it and say, by the way, I don't believe any of this. I'm just making <laughs> a point that yeah. you can sell anything to the right crowd. Yeah, he was creating a, a theolo- theological castle and right. then trying to live in it for a while. Right. And one thing about these uh, these creator-type arguments uh Believers of all kinds, of all religions, jump on them because it thinks that vindicates their God and their belief in their God. But it doesn't. Even if they were true, even if the fine-tuning argument and the watchmaker and all these arguments um, from complexity were true, and, and, it, and, it, and you could show that, that a God was created, I mean, was actually responsible for creating the universe, it does not mean it was their God. It does not mean that their holy book is the right holy book. Matter of fact... uh, Or if any of them are. Yeah, if any of them are. uh, Nor does it mean that you have a soul, that you have an afterlife. I mean, the the deists, some of the deists believe that uh, God created the universe and may have died in the explosion. Or he went away never to return. Or it was an experiment that he got tired of watching and just left, started another universe. Or like the, like the dead engineer or the retired engineer kind mm-hmm. of take on it. Right, right. Uh, not only that, but it has nothing to do with theology per se. It's basically uh, a beginning. And if you want to tie that creator to your religion, as Christopher Hitchens would say, all of your work is still ahead of you. You've got a lot of work in there to prove that that creator is your God and not the God of some other religion, or some God that we've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the alien God from the third, um, uh, what do you call it, galaxy over. You never know. Uh, but anyway, that they certainly try to just pass off a creator as their creator. Now, 
um, we discussed this uh, kind of a strange thing in our board of directors meeting on the rationalists of East Tennessee that I'd like to bring up. Um, somebody had sent um, some pictures to challenge IIGHQ.org, org, that's IIGHQ.org, which is a paranormal site, a place for testing paranormal um, evidences. Claims. And so claims. Huh? And he sent along some pictures. Now, this, believe it or not, this is what he said in the email. I'm going to go and name his name. But this is what, it doesn't really matter what his name is. These claims all have to stand on their own um, merits. He said in the email, he said, this is what, what, this what, this doesn't make any sense. What he said was, this is the, that follows me, I have more pictures of him. Also, he is everywhere I go. First noticed him last Tuesday down in Louisiana. I live in Tennessee and have noticed him here ever since. Not a single comma or punctuation in the entire uh, statement. Now, what he sent was some black and white or sepia-colored pictures with blobs on them. Literally no shapes. Uh, there was one one picture that looked like it might have been the interior of a room. It had a kind of a partial wall with a uh, like a window in it. But everything else in it was just shapes. And no shapes I could actually see any form to. They're just shapes. And he would draw random circles on there and say, see? And I didn't see anything. But anyway, let's, let's look at this claim that he says. He says, I have been, I have learned to photograph spirits. Now these are his words. And let's look at this. Um, First of all, it's not valid. It can't be. Because we don't know when it, even if spirits exist. Uh, if he has found a way to photograph some energy, some sort of energy, then that's what he's found. Some energy. And he's found a way to photograph something. But it's quite a leap from that to say it's a spirit. And he has actually no evidence to make that leap. Yeah, it's all based on what we interpret it as. And mm-hmm. gives the sign value to it. Right, right. Uh, we don't know that spirits exist. We don't, and we don't know anything about them. We don't even know what kind of interaction they can have with the natural world. Like, um, like the old uh, thought program: if uh, if a ghost appears to you and they're wearing clothes, are they ghost clothes? <laughs> you know, uh, where did he buy them at a ghost store? You know, uh, if he's standing on the ground. Does does uh, gravity interact with him? Does it have any effect on him? Do light does light pass through him? Well, he's transparent, but if he's totally transparent, you wouldn't be able to see him. You know, what's he made of? Out of you know, many people claim it's ectoplasm, but who knows what ectoplasm is? I mean, it's just sheer conjecture. Um, we don't even know what kind of, uh, well, like I said, what kind of interaction they can have with the natural world if they exist. And we don't know that. Can they touch physical objects? Can they interact with the natural world at all? Um, can light reflect from them? Do they give off light? None of, since we've never seen a, a spirit in the laboratory or as far as I know, any other place, because it's all, it's all anecdotal evidence, then how are we supposed to make any kind of claim about about them at all? Um, they might be little furry balls, as far as we know, or, or, or concrete spikes. Who knows? Um, what kind of ethereal light can interact with film or the photo cell of a camera? Uh, has the photographer claimed to have communicated with them? Well, not to, not in the emails that he sent, but how does he how does he claim to know that they are spirits if he's not communicated with them? I mean, just white blobs on a trans on a piece of film, and he calls them spirits, and we are supposed to take that on face value. And there, are, plus, there are many ways we can there are many ways we can uh, see in the past, in the present, how uh, people make photos. And because the way it's taken, the why, the angle, they'll make all these claims about it. But you just 
if you understand how photography works and how light refracts and understand mm-hmm. what's going on, it's not even the case at all. No, because we know about physical objects mm-hmm. and how light inter- interacts with it, but we have no history of how light would interfere with or interact with a spirit. Let's uh, uh, so say if he hasn't communicated with them, then what is his claim even based on? He's captured something weird on his camera, then jumps to the conclusion that it's a human soul. You know, it's like going from A to yeah, D or right. something. Mm-hmm. And even if that turned out to be true, that it was spirits of some kind, it poses even more questions. Uh, what kind of spirit? Where did it come from? Dead people? People in other dimensions? Do humans actually have spirits? Do animals if so, what kind of animals have them and which kind don't? Uh, do plants have spirits? You know, the Native American Indians used to think that rivers and rocks and mountains had spirits. Uh, maybe it was one of those spirits that he captured. You know, a mountain spirit happened to be coming through his room. Yeah. But once he can answer some of these questions, it's way more responsible um, to say, unless he can answer those questions, it's more responsible to say, hmm, that's interesting, let's find out more instead of making wild, unjustifiable claims like he's doing. Um, I wrote an article, it's on my website, digitalfreethought.com, the blog, and um, it's it's on page two there of your notes that I brought with me. It's, it's called Addressing Dr. McDougall's Soul Has Weight Experiment. Um, let's get into that. Uh, when we come back from our break, we'll go ahead and do a break where it takes about six minutes. And once we come back, we'll have a new half hour we can jump on. And I didn't want to just break in the middle of talking about that. So uh, these we'll have a couple of uh, information messages about the local groups here in Knoxville. And in the middle of it, we'll have an Atheist Christmas Carol by Vienna Tang. Uh, stay tuned, and uh, it's a beautiful carol. Hold on. If you live in or around the Knoxville area and are questioning your religious beliefs or simply believe in one less God than everyone else, well, you're not alone. The Atheist Society of Knoxville is a fun and friendly group of people just like you that meets twice a week at a bar or restaurant. We meet every Tuesday night following the show at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria for happy hour. You'll find our group either inside or on the patio. Look for Richard Dawkins' silver-jacketed book, The God Delusion, standing upright on the table. But if you plan to preach, prophetize, provoke, or punch, please don't. We all question what we believe at one point in our lives. If this is the time for you, come join us for food, drink, conversation, and fun. Thank you. 
disease and of scars and of wounds in the heart of feeling the full weight of our stories of talking snakes laughable? Do you prefer the scientific method over supernatural beliefs? Are you concerned about religious leaders and organizations imposing their values and rules on your body, your family, and the rest of our society? Well, take comfort in the fact that you're not alone. The Rationalists of East Tennessee meets weekly for fellowship and provides a forum for people who support skeptical thinking and rational discussion of these and other issues. To find out more information or to find out about our next meeting, visit us on the web at www.rationalist.org. And we're back. We were talking. Oops. I keep forgetting this player will just keep right on keeping on. Um, we were talking about souls. We were talking about a guy who claimed to be able to um, photograph spirits and, uh, and why we can't just accept those claims on the face value. Um, this half of the show will continue, and uh, we'll be talking about an article I've got on on digitalfreethought.com, uh, the blog about Dr. McDougall's soul has weight experiment. Uh, if you're a Christian or any kind of believer, you probably heard the, the anecdotal evidence that, uh, there was a doctor out there who actually did some, uh, weight, uh, measurements on people who are dying and found out that, you know, when you die, you actually lose about a quarter of a gram and, you know, that's your soul. Well, not exactly. Uh, if you would like to look it up, of course, you can always uh, Google Dr. McDougall. <laughs> I didn't know that rhyme until I said it. Uh, McDougall is spelled M-A-C-D-O-U-G-A-L-L. Um, and he uh, he did do some experiments, and he did find that some of the weight has ha- does leave the body. Uh, but the thing about it is, his findings may be well at least inconclusive they may be just flat wrong um first of all it's quite possible that this tiny bit of weight loss from a full-size human especially after a bit of time could be accounted for by evaporation fluids from the epidermis but not only was it a very ineffective medical experiment but it was never repeated being able to repeat an experiment is crucial to the scientific process If you can't get the results from a separate experiment, then the foundation of the premise has to be discarded, and you should simply not use that experiment as a basis for claiming the hypothesis as a fact. Yet people use this particular example all the time in Claben as scientific proof and the existence of a soul. Um, There's so many holes in that. Uh, First of all, if you read the article, he... uh, he used a balance beam with uh, to measure uh, tiny, tiny losses or differences in weight. Uh, he used a beam on one. Uh, 
He's put a man, imagine putting enough weight on one side to counteract the weight of a full grown man and then try to, try to measure the difference between, you know, a gram and a quarter of a gram or something like that. It's just, it's just impossible. He started off with like six people and he ended up having to throw out two of them, right? Just from, um, the, the guy died too soon or, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't guarantee that his results was, properly recorded so that left four people in a one-time experiment now of course we have to understand that why this kind of experiment isn't repeated very often you get a lot of moral problems in there Uh, we'd like to use your your grandfather in an experiment to decide if his soul is leaving his body or not and we have to measure it right at the time of death and how many people would give permission for that but the main problem with this type of thing is, let's say that every last one of them showed a quarter of a gram leaving the body. They didn't. I mean, one guy showed nothing, another guy showed a quarter of a gram, another guy showed, oh, I don't know, half a gram. You'd have to read the experience, but they were anything but consistent. But even if you did, you've got no conjectural reason, no reason to leap from a loss of body weight equals a soul. I mean, like in, we were talking about in the first part of the hour, we don't know anything about souls. We've never had one in the, in the laboratory to experiment on one, to measure one, to take readings from. But then to just come out and say, well, souls have weight. You can't do that. You can't make claims and expect people to buy into them. Although I guess it happens all the time in religions. Well, you know. I could see one defense. I don't agree with it, but I can see one defense uh theistic person uh, might make and that is well their soul is proportionate to their moral uh the, the moral <laughs> aptitude therefore someone had a greater soul because they had got i mean sure but again that's yeah. just a, a flat out conjectural claim right. um there's no basis of fact in it uh and can be none we have no idea of a uh physical um representation of the morality of a person no. or how much it would weigh <laughs> Or if it loses weight, you know, for a good soul or bad soul. Uh, what's interesting though is that, uh, you mentioned that when, that we have many evidences from ancient Egypt where, uh, the test of a soul was its weight against a feather. If, uh, if the soul is as light as a feather in the afterworld, you went on to receive your reward. If not, then you went to, uh, a bad place or at least didn't go forward. Yeah. But many depictions of that on hieroglyphics, uh, the weighing of the soul against the feather. But that doesn't mean there's no basis for believing that is fact. Um, let's go on. It says, in order to accept this as proof, that is, Dr. McDougall's soul, soul has weight experiment, one would also have to prove that one, souls themselves actually exist and no one ever has the time to worry about where your soul is going after you die is when we find out that souls exist and not before and that places for them to go exist which has never been demonstrated also you would actually have to prove that souls themselves have weight which is pure conjecture uh, three, you would have to prove that the weight loss, if it occurred, was from the loss of a soul and not something else. Four, that the weight of a soul, once proved and measured, actually equaled the weight of the body, uh, the loss from the body at time of death. Uh, let's take this a step further and just for the sake of argument, say that we did accept this as proof that souls exist and have weight. In order for to use this as a confirmation of Christian religious claims, Christianity would still have to prove that souls can and do contain our mind, memories, identities, and are independent of the brain. Um, you could say, uh, that was item number six, uh, I'm sorry, five, we'll come back to that. You can say that the I that you experience, you know, the you that's internal, uh, does contain all your memories and your mind and your identity. But you can't even, you can't say that it's independent of the brain. Uh, we've not got any kind of, of example, uh, demonstrable example of any kind of intelligence 
that exists outside of a body, like a body like a computer chip even. some It has to have some hardware to reside in. The chemical processes or the electronic processes of thought or machinations or calculations are done in a physical um, mainframe or framework. Right, and uh, there's been a whole lot of and continuing more research and talk on it, uh, some TED Talk videos I can think of come to mind, uh, plenty of writing for days and more on it, mm-hmm. um, that there's the illusion that, uh, that you are something other than the whole sum of your parts. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a neuro- constantly neurochemical process of actualizing things, processing them, you know, mirror neurons relating with something your amygdala you're processing your emotions and your anger and all those things it creates the illusion so far as we know Mm -hmm. that that it is something like you are something looking outside of your eye sockets Mm -hmm. that's the illusion but it's just the whole functioning and if you carry that to the next level then you are the thing that is inside you looking out the eye sockets which has a thing inside it that is looking out its eye socket it goes back uh you know, on and on and on. Right. And um, that says nothing about people who have uh, their bodies aren't as whole as others' bodies. And what does that say? I mean, you know, it goes into a big gray mesh, which mm-hmm. just doesn't doesn't uh, congeal. Right. Um, are you familiar with the collus callosum in the brain? It's that bridge of interconnecting uh, nerves that go from the left side of the brain to the right and back and forth. Um, Einstein had a particularly enlargement, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the thing about those is if you cut that, you end up basically having two people in one body. Um, there have been people who have said, if you believe in God, you know, after they've had their, their collus colostum cut, they would ask them questions. You know, they'd, they'd hold up a, a picture of a rabbit or something and say, what color is this? And one one side would say, you know, this, or they, they'd re- use their hands to write down different different colors or different uh, things. But what was interesting is they asked the guy, uh, do you believe in God? If you do, raise your hand. Well, his right hand went up, but his left hand went, stayed down. Uh-huh. Um, so left brain. Right yeah. Down, yeah. And uh matter of fact, Daniel Dennett, who is a philosopher and a very good one, I'm uh, very interesting uh, reading his books, uh, seems to think that our consciousness comes from the interaction between the two brains. It's almost like they're holding a conversation. But but when you get that, you still have consciousness, but you have two of them. You have playing cognitive dissonance. That would that would do it. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to our. Um, McDougal thing, uh, the things that you uh, would have to prove, uh, even if you could prove that uh, the soul exists and has weight, um, besides the fact that souls can and do, uh, you have to prove that the souls can and do contain our mind, memories, and identity, and are independent of the brain, which nobody has ever proven, that souls also survive the death of our bodies intact, which has never been proven. Nothing uh, you may have energy in your body, which a lot of people would say, well, that proves, you know, you can't destroy or create energy in this, uh, this universe because of, uh, the law of conservation of mass and energy, but you can convert between the two. Well, yeah, it's, you can say that, yes, if our body will lose energy, but that's not saying that energy has a consciousness. Uh, it's heat energy. It's, it's, it's the same type of energy you get from, from eating food. You convert it into heat. Converted into calories, which then you can burn for heat to keep your body moving. But to say that the energy that you lose is like saying, if you blow out a candle, then the candle's soul, <laughs> you know, because it loses its energy and the energy dissipates into the universe, that the, the candle's soul then goes off to its final reward. Okay, you'd have to prove that souls survive the death of bodies intact, which nobody has ever done that. Uh, you'd have to also prove that they continue to live for an eternity. That's a, another claim of Christianity is that souls never die. Well, first of all, you never prove that they live in the first place, uh, but and that they that they can leave the body and live outside of the body. But then they also claim that they live forever. None of these have been proven. 
or demonstrated in, in the least. And how can you if you can't even prove that souls exist? Or that, for instance, that you look at uh, reincarnation. A lot of religions have that as well, mm-hmm. um, based on your deeds in life and, and the Dharma and so on and so on. That, uh, well, this life wasn't perhaps the best, but I think I was a good cricket. Maybe I can, maybe yeah. <laughs> I can come back next as a, yeah. a slight upgrade. Maybe I can come back as a tarantula, fly, fly a little bit higher on, yeah. on the chain. I mean, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have no uh, evidence for that as well. Um, we have people claiming to channel people f- from earlier lives, but that's, again, it's just a claim. They never seem to know anything that the person couldn't know just by living in this world. Uh, He doesn't have any secret information any more than somebody who claims to communicate with God, who is omniscient, who knows everything. They never seem to impart uh, information that a person wouldn't be able to glean just from the society he lives in. Okay, uh, not only would they have to prove that souls continue to live on for an eternity, but they'd also have to prove that there are places for souls to go after you die. Yeah, it's a big leap. Yeah, the the heaven and hell type of thing, or the limbo. What's funny is the Catholic Church invented limbo for a place for babies to go if they didn't get baptized. Then, uh, what was it, 10 years ago? They just said, ah, limbo, that doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, yeah. if the... If the uh if the baby, you know, hasn't had enough time to make choices and, you know, come of age, well, they just they get the free pass. It's yeah, fine. they just they'll just stay in limbo forever. Yeah. But then they just pull the rugs out, out of all those mothers' um, children by saying uh, ten years ago that not limbo is no, it's not real. We, we don't support that that anymore. So, executive decision. Yeah. Now, they, we said that they would have to prove that uh, there are places for souls to go after death, which they can't. But you've got to remember that they specifically conjecture a couple of places, uh, heaven and hell. They say that these particular places are there and are ruled by certain by certain deities or, or demons. They have to prove all of that. All it is right now is just pure claim. It's simple conjecture. And all of those, heaven, hell, gods, demons, uh, angels, would all have to be separately proven. And they haven't taken a single step in that direction in 2,000 years. And attempts to do so have almost, I think, in, really, in their cases, done more damage to their claims. Because mm-hmm. the more you open it up and dissect it, you start mm-hmm. learning, and, and yeah. it even becomes more incredulous. Yeah. When you take into effect all of the, quote, great thinkers, uh, great theologians, uh, of history, they're just making the case worse by, by by conjecturing more and more things about about their deity and their health and their heavens. Still more things in the pot. Right, right. Just making it more necessary to to believe it just on faith. And the thing about faith is, with faith you can believe anything. You can believe any particular religion, any claim of any religion. So what makes your claim any more worthy of faith? than the religion on the church on the other side of the street or on the other country or the other religion entirely. Um, Now, also, after proving that souls exist, that they continue to live, that they live forever, that they go to places after death and that those places actually exist, and how do we know that they don't actually go to some other God's version of an afterlife? How do we know that Yeshua is the God or... um, Ra or Odin or anybody, anybody's God, Mithra or yeah, um, is anybody's God is real or not? Uh, it could be any God or some God we've never heard of, as we talked about earlier. Oh, I do like one particular thing. It just, at least, it sounds nice, but again, it's more or less. It's just articulation for description of appreciation. It's not making a theory, but uh, you've heard, you know, the the. God of Einstein, of Spinoza, so on, right? It's uh, uh, Michio Kaku, Professor Michio Kaku. Mm-hmm. It's this yeah. notion of cosmic sound. And I equate that to being, we don't know if there's anything, but it's just the idea that the whole process and its, and its whole functioning, it, the, the mathematical laws, the things we can demonstrate, we can empirically, we can show, we can test out the repeated every time. Electricity works every time. Gravity works every time. Yeah. It's kind of putting a name on that 
but uh, not giving it a, a doctrine. I think that's kind of a nice notion, but uh, even then, it's it's not saying you must adhere to something or you must believe something. It's it's just trying to put a label on something you think is awe inspiring. Uh-huh. But it, uh, but there's no notion of afterlife. There's no notion of anything uh-huh. in that particular model. Yeah. And what what gets me is how uh, believers don't don't think that. I don't know is a good answer. It's a perfectly acceptable answer. It's an honest answer. And if you are, it's an honest answer, and if you don't know the answer, then any other answer would be a lie or a mis, at least a misstatement of the fact. Um, if you don't know how the universe started, say so. Uh, just because your preacher says he knows how it started doesn't mean that he does. But what gets me is, is that the first time, I mean, that whenever you tell somebody, a believer generally, that you're an atheist, First thing they want is, well, how do you think the universe started? How do you, th- where do you think we came from? You know, all of these questions about how does an atheist, uh, explain the origin of the universe or humanity or nature or life. The thing about it is, I don't know is a good answer until we find out the answer. And two, it doesn't matter if we know it or not. You're making the claim that a God exists, that souls exist, that heaven and hell exist, that an afterlife exists. These are all claims of your Bible. When you repeat those claims, then you have the burden of proof. The person making the claim has the burden of proof. If I claim that I have a, uh, a pet uh, dog at the house, that's not a hard claim to for you to buy. First of all, people have pets, people have dogs, and it doesn't cost you anything to believe it. However, if I say, you've got to believe in Jesus Christ, you've got to come to my church and you've got to tithe for the rest of your life, you know, or your soul will go to hell, then you have a, you have a vested interest in finding out the proof of these things. And the person who's making those claims should supply that proof. And they don't. All they do is point at the Bible. But the Bible's not the proof. The Bible's the claim. They're just repeating it. Okay, so we're coming up about uh, 17, well, 13 minutes till the hour. Uh, I think we could take another song here and give us a little break on our voices. And we'll be back in just a little bit. This is Shelley Siegel's Afterlife, and we'll be right back.
And we're back. That was Shelley Siegel. Um, and the name of the song was Afterlife. Um, okay. This is WOZO 103.9 LPFM live in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. I'm Daughter Five. And say hi, Riv. Hello. And that was Riv uh, from our, I mean, co-hosting the show tonight. Uh, before the song, we said we'd talk about the Atheist Call-In TV show. It's called the Free Thought Forum, and you can see it every Tuesday between 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock on Comcast Channel 12, or on Charter Channel 192, I believe it is. Or you can watch it streaming online. If you don't want to watch TV, you can watch it on ctvnox.org. And you can find archives of some of our shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Just go to YouTube, look up Free Thought Forum Knoxville. That's three words, not four. And uh, then you can sort them by date to watch them from the beginning or just watch the last one. And if you're interested in getting involved in the show, just come to a, an ASK meetup or RET meeting and talk to us about it. Uh, you can find out uh, more about it. That way, by going to our websites, uh, or you could be our next TV co-host if you're interested in getting in front of the TV and supporting free thought. Um, the Rationalists of East Tennessee, we talked about ASK a little earlier, but the Rationalists of East Tennessee have been around for about 20 years. That's well, um, five years longer than ASK. They have bi-weekly presentations and discussions. They're usually held at the Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays at the Goines Administration Building Cafeteria Annex. Just follow the signs or go to the website, rationalist.org, and click on the directions. Uh, you're a member of RET. Yes. You're on the board of RET. Have any advice to give to the people to, to find it and, and come down and be part of it? Uh, well, it's, uh, we meet... Uh Several times a month, we have the first and the third Sunday. Mm-hmm. We meet up at 10.30, 10.15, at that location, around lively roundtable discussions, all kinds of things. The topics yeah. always change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have book clubs, or Skeptics Book Club, on a second, when, a second Sunday. And this one we just uh, covered was the Don't Sleep, There Are Snakes something like that. Uh, at the book club, yeah. Right. And it uh, really fascinating. It covered the perspective of uh, someone who was, he's, he's basically he's spreading out another, was, uh, I think it was somewhere in Brazil, could be misrepresenting, I think it's Brazil. Uh-huh. And uh, he was going out originally to spread the message of Christianity. But he met these people mm-hmm. who, one, their language didn't even comprise of past, present, and future. It was all what you're observing at the moment. Uh, they were aware of the concept of quantity, but they didn't have numbers to express them. Very, just so, dis, I mean, not in, unlike uh, we're familiar with. Um, and in spending time with them, uh, they eventually just got tired of hearing about Jesus, and and uh, they, he eventually began to think a bit more, and then he gave up his religion, and and he takes on a holistic view. <laughs> and it's just really fascinating, the yeah. whole book. That sounds like it. Um, besides the rationalists of East Tennessee, there's also the Sunday Assembly, which is basically church for people who don't want to go to church anymore, or at least who have given up their religious beliefs, but still like the pageantry, the ceremony, the singing of church. If you're in that pool and you like to go to church, but you can't believe that stuff anymore, then try the Sunday Assembly. Uh, it started in England two or three years ago and has spread around the world. It is a no-God church setting for those who have had enough of religion, but still like the fellowship of church-type gathering. They get together the fourth Sunday of every month at the International downtown and near the fairgrounds. Uh, Then there's the Secular Student Alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or college student who would like to get involved in the free thought movement or just find secular companionship in the Bible Belt. Uh, Secular Student Alliance has uh, chapters at Lenore City High School. Um, there's UT. Another, UT. And right. Mississippi State. Right. And yeah. if you'd like to start one in your high school, you don't need, you don't have to have a teacher sponsor. You can do it on your own. If they tell you you need a sponsor, uh, you don't. 
Yeah. And the Freedom from Religion Foundation would be more than happy to tell you more about that. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, well, the Atheist Society of Knoxville, we mentioned that earlier, but there's, I might as well say it again. Uh, if you'd like to meet it with 20 or 30 of your closest atheist friends, come down to the Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria every Tuesday around 5.30 to 8 o'clock. Have uh, food, fun, conversation, and we guarantee a good conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, if you pl- plan to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch, please don't. Thank you, Matt Dillhunty, for that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we'll be closing off here in just a minute. Do you have any final words? Uh, well, just in general, especially considering the context of the uh, radio hour, it's been, uh, I would submit to continue to don't take something just because uh, they said it. Uh, which, don't accept it. Right, don't accept it. I mean, yeah. there's context to it, right? Uh-huh. It, 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 Ask it, for evidence. Right. If the claim is seems reasonable, then maybe less effort should be put into it. But mm-hmm. Especially if it doesn't cost you anything. Right, but if it's... Uh, some kind of religious claim or not even that is I, I saw this thing it denies it defies the law of physics but I know I saw it well then we fall into a trap of being uh, well, they're my friend I trust them and that's mm-hmm. easy to do mm-hmm. but at the same time just really think about it yeah. uh, it take Take the friend, take the fact your friend said it aside, and look at the claim itself. Right? Does it hold up to what should be within reality, and then take it from there? Even uh, David Hume knew, knew three hundred years ago that to accept a miracle claim on face value means that it's more likely that the laws of physics were broken, the laws of the universe were broken, than that your friend is either mistaken or lying, right, or just making up a story. Anyway, um, remember everybody's going to somebody else's hell. There, there's no religion that's safe because all the other ones say that they're damned. And uh, come back and join us next week. Uh, we'll be here at 6 o'clock for Free Thought Radio Hour. Uh, this is Larry, Daughter 5, and Riv. And we'll see you next week. Take care. Brings the